Thank you guys, thank you guys. Well, um, again, uh, <laughs> my name is John. My name's Arvin. And we both get to work together here at Victory. We get to serve our awesome pastors, Pastor Paul and Ashley. Let's give it up. Yes. And um, yeah, we get to serve Pastor Paul and Ashley. Me and our Arvin works in, you wanna tell them what you do? Or sure, you I am the live production director here, which oversees uh, audio, video, and lighting. You should know I don't know anything about audio and video and lighting, but that's because we have an incredible team. I get to help in a management role. And then a few years ago, Pastor John asked me to begin assisting in writing, producing uh, the scripts for our productions here. Fall film, Christmas, Easter. In fact, yeah. Right now, we just finished, well, I, I don't know. If we, Should we tell them? You want to know? Okay. We've never, I mean, it's always a race against the clock because Christmas is on the same day every year. Easter happens. Easter's earlier this it's year. It's in March this year. Did you know that? Just FYI. Just pre-order your flowers now. Yeah, so Jesus yeah. is coming back soon. <laughs> <laughs> but we decided, hey, it would be so cool if we and the Holy Spirit could collaborate to write all three scripts in the month of May Today's May 31st, and are we done? All, all three scripts all are done. done. Yeah, so. so, and here's the thing. It's not, oh, one thing that we do, some of you guys who are new, you're like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> Basically, we do these productions. We genuinely believe that sometimes um, the gospel is better experienced. Yeah. Revelation can come when someone experiences the gospel through the arts. And there are some people that will only be reached through the art of storytelling. That's why Jesus told parables. So anyways, that, that's why we, it is such a strong conviction in us. It is, uh, so anyways, we believe it's really powerful. Yeah. And tonight you're probably wondering what's going on up here. This has to do with the sermon. <laughs> that's right. What Wouldn't it, it be funny if it did? <laughs> yeah, we just didn't even <laughs> no. talk about it. And we were like. You just enjoy having a tent around us. We no, talk about we're talking about Camped in Connection. Everybody say Camped in Connection. Yes. Excellent. So, and um, basically, tonight we're going to be talking about connection with your uh, connection with others. others. All right, just like Miss Cynthia, connection with yourself, yeah. just like Miss Cynthia, yeah. and connection with God. Yeah. Um, we should have just had Miss Cynthia stand up here. She, she could, could just have been our talk and tell her story. But that anyways, was great. Yeah. but um, and so we're going to go into that through the life of Jesus. So we're yeah. going to be going through several of the gospel tellings, and it is one thing here at Victory is we connect, equip, reach. That's one of our, our pillars. So, but one of the main things is connecting, connecting to people. And some of us have a difficulty connecting to others because we've never really connected with ourselves. Mm. So we've, in fact, some of us in this room, including me, mm. we have struggled with this weird self-hatred. And if, yeah. if you guys know, I don't believe you, if I put you in front of a mirror and I tell you how great you look, your response would be like, oh, I don't look that great. Yeah. You are God's creation. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but throughout society and us living in a fallen world, mm. we've developed this weird narrative that is not what God has said about you. So anyways, as we go through that, and what's really great is um, we have our Connect Group launch, which is coming up on June 10th. Mm -hmm. So this is helping us connect. And then after service tonight, what do we have? We have a party outside that you're going to be invited yeah, to. Yeah, so all of yeah. this, whatever you hear tonight that we pray yeah. is from the Word of God, that you guys yeah. actually get to walk it out after service. Yeah. And then in a few weeks as we do our group launch. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the whole goal. And Pastor Paul is also releasing a really great book, yes. especially on this. It's called Mind Games. Comes Pastor out Paul. September 19th. There it is. You've got it. 
We've gotten to preview it. It's phenomenal. It's really good. And it's all about winning the battle for mental and emotional health, which is exactly what we want to talk to you about this evening. We decided to use the camping metaphor because it's going to be really easy to visualize. Who's never been camping? Okay. All right. Okay. It'll still That's make fine. sense, I promise. It's yeah, if you've ever seen Charlie Brown, and if you haven't seen Charlie Brown, yeah. um, if you've ever... Just look at that picture. That's what camping's there like. It is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just without the bugs. Yeah. Okay. okay. So we're going to start off with a scripture. I'm going to read from Luke 5, verses 16. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Come on. Yeah. Open it up. Now we're going to get after it tonight. So remember what Pastor Paul says history makers are note <laughs> no takers. Note takers are history yeah. makers. <laughs> note makers are history takers. We miss it. Um, <laughs> Luke, Luke 5, 16, it says this. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So I want us to underline lonely places and pray. Next, Arvin, I'll read go. in Luke 6, 12, and 13. It says, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated apostles. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for this scripture as we are going through um, your life and we are looking at it. Lord, I thank you that as we look in the word, let it be like a mirror to us yes. of things that we can hear and get revelation from what you're trying to tell us. And we just thank you for the next 27 minutes that you are going to speak to people right where they're at. Yeah. And those people who came in believing for something, God, you meet their needs. Mm. No human, you. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said. Amen. Okay, so everybody say connection with others. Connection with others. Yourself. Connection with yourself. Connection with God. Connection with God. Okay, so Arvin, you talk about this first point. Absolutely. Okay, in each category, there are two things you need to pay attention to. We are going to be on a spectrum from assumption. Everyone say assumption. Assumption. To intention. Say intention. Intention. Uh, I want to confess to you, the first time I tested to get my driver's license, uh, I failed it. Has anyone failed the driver's test? Some of you should have failed it, but you didn't. But that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I want you to imagine, because you already understand assumptions and intentions very, very well. If when you went to take your driver's test, they were like... Just do whatever you assume you should do to drive. So that's the case for some people already. And what does assuming do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, exactly. Go. Most of the time when it comes to mental and emotional health, particularly in the body of Christ, and we're changing this thanks to books like Mind Games and what we're doing here tonight, we rely on our assumptions about mental and emotional health, which tends to look like whatever your family of origin prepared for you. And for most of us, our families weren't perfect. And so we inherited assumptions about mental and emotional health, about connection to others, ourselves, and God that are simply not true. So what that means is assumptions make poor connections. Connections in relationship with others, connections to yourself, and connections to God. So in every category we talk to, we're going to talk about all three, there's going to be an assumption and then there will be a God-given intention. So, and connection requires intention. So uh, assumptions make poor connections. Intention creates good connections. So there's no actual, legitimate, life-giving connection without intentions. Okay, so number one, connect connection to others. What is the assumption? 
The assumption with connecting to others. So I'm in my tent. Yeah, okay. Well, okay. I'm going to actually, since we're friends, I'm going to go in. Uh, yeah, just don't well. touch me. Okay, all right. Um, the assumption that we have when it comes to connection to others is that we are either supposed to be codependent, everyone say codependent, or completely and absolutely independent. We are often fluctuating between being codependent, I'm going to live in your tent, John, wherever you go, I'm going to be in your, around you, and John. And I'm like, whoa, this is, there's not enough room for us, and it's super uncomfortable. Tough. We're going to be best friends Because forever. I need you. All right. Exactly. Exactly. So what tends to happen when you're codependent for more than seven seconds is that you get hurt. So what happens when I get hurt? I decide I'm out of here, and, and I'm he, going to be independent. And here's the thing. Whenever you, whenever you decide to be independent, you think, oh, it's good because I can be alone. I'm a loner. I actually recharge alone, which may be true, but then that turns into isolation. Yeah. And you've completely left the campsite. And if you notice, the campsite is centered around a fire. Okay, we're going to come back a to A real this. one. This is a nice little problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, when, so this is what happens with the disciples and Jesus. You actually see this. All right, so Jesus just gets done feeding 5,000 people, all right? He gets done feeding 5,000 people. He performed lots of miracles. And now, if you were feeding 5,000 families, mm. all these people are going to want to be connected to you. Right. And they're like, show me more miracles, do more things. But here's the thing. Jesus' identity, yes, he is a miracle worker and a way maker, but that's not why he came to the earth. Mm-hmm. Why did Jesus come? To save mankind. And his identity was not necessary. So here's the thing. He had some hard truth. Yeah. And here's the truth hurts, but it's not meant to harm. Mm -hmm. The word of God is truth. And people love. The truth will set you free. Yeah. Well, the truth stings. Has anyone ever been stung by the truth Oof. to where you go, ouch, yeah. that hurts. This is open heart surgery, but it's necessary. Okay, so let's yeah. pick it up in uh, John 6. John 6, verse 65 to 68. Jesus went on to say, This is why I told you no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You don't want to leave too, do you? J Jesus, Jesus, here's the thing. He knows everything. Jesus knows everything. He even knows what they're going to say, but he asks the question. Yeah. Have you guys ever asked someone that was really close to you after multiple oh. people started leaving your life? Has anyone ever experienced loneliness? I know I have. Yeah. I know people that I counted on and I said, you're going to be in my life for life. Mm. And now they're not. Like, that's a harsh reality. Yeah. And... You know, we love to lean on our faith and be like, I'm blessed and highly flavored or whatever. But that too, yeah. Yeah. And and that's okay. Yeah. But throughout the Bible, whether it was Prophet Elijah or Noah or Moses or even Jesus, they had all the faith in the world, but they experienced human emotion. Yeah. And sometimes people of faith like to suppress that. Mm -hmm. But God created it. So Jesus asks, you don't want to leave too, do you? He asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Right before this, he's fed all these people. And then he makes a statement, and you'll remember this. You will eat my flesh and drink my blood. He literally did what we're doing here tonight. He had a metaphor. He had fish and bread for everyone. And he goes, see, you're consuming it. It's giving you energy and life. Well, you should consume me, metaphorically speaking, and it'll give you life. And they go, he wants us to eat his actual flesh and drink his actual <laughs> blood. We're out of here. Can you believe that? His intentions were beautiful. They intentionally misunderstood him and they rejected him for it. If that happens to the best communicator in human history, you better believe it's gonna happen to you. Has anyone ever been misunderstood and rejected? I'd rather you hate me. I'd rather you know me for who I am and go, I don't like that guy. I don't wanna know him. I don't wanna be near him. I can stomach that. But if I tried to get to know you and connect to you and you misunderstood me and you rejected me for that reason, that's the worst pain. And the, the one thing that stops us from connecting to others is a fear of rejection or being abandoned. It's something from all of our, you know, from our childhoods, we've experienced it. I know for me, you know, I, that it is something that I'm currently putting at the altar. Like it is something where I have to come to God and I have to say, why is it so hard for me to connect to others? I will let other people in the lobby of my life. Anyone else like that? Mm. It's very good to have surface conversations, yeah. but then when you get to a certain point, I remember, I remember my dad, and I don't know if this has ever been said, my dad, man of faith, always stood up, preached the word of God, was the same guy on the stage that he was off the stage. Yeah. And you know what he said towards the end of his life? He had a wonderful family. He would memorize the Bible. And one time he said, I feel so alone. The man of God? It's real. And I think because I know for me, I, I want to be so intentional with the friendship. And I'm like, all right, we're going to be friends. And, and it's going to be great. And what I do is I actually make, I try to, I, I put this person before God. And I make them meet my needs. But no human can meet needs that only God can. Yeah. And so I put all these weird expectations and that scares people. Or subconsciously, I get upset at them. Right? Has that ever happened to maybe to you guys? Yeah. Another, another way is, is, and so what that does is after I've invested a lot into a friend and then they move or they leave church Whatever, it could be for any reason. I then convince myself of a story. And here's the thing, your brain is, the, the, the devil is very sneaky. He's always, you are, your brain is always looking for evidence of the story that you're telling yourself. Stop being a detective of false things. We love to search things up and be like, what do they really mean by this? And we begin to overthink. I, I do it. That's the reason why I know some people in this room, some of you have like mind of steel. I'm great, I, teach me. Yeah. Um, but it, it's one of those things to where I go, I convince myself of the story. They're going to leave anyways, so why would I invest all this energy to really getting to know this person? So I will be kind to them and I'll go, hey, how are you? 
Hope you're doing well. But then at the end of the day, why do I feel alone? It's because no one truly knows me. And that is a real thing. And some of you in this room, it's quiet because that's you. And, and here's the thing. It's been me before. And that's why it is something that I'm continually coming to God for. And, and I can only get filled up in the presence of God. I can only get filled up by the fire, which the whole campsite is, is centered around. You know, some of us, you have someone very close and you evolved as a person. All of a sudden you get on fire for God. And what it does is it forces the other person to change their perspective of you. And that's a change that they didn't ask for. And they go, wait, but we've been friends for 15 years and all of a sudden you're better than me. And all of a sudden you begin to grow apart. And it's not because you're bad or they're bad, but it's because they are having to change and it was change they didn't ask for. And so what that does is it's a fear of us, but the great thing is this. Now, I say, I'm saying all these things, but I, just because I'm wanting us to understand the gravity of it is that Harvard did a study with 726 men in 1938. They were sophomores at Harvard, and then they did half of the men in Harvard and then half of the people in the poorest part of Boston. And today, um, there is a little under 90 of those, I'm sorry, there's a little under 60 of those men still alive. They went through World War I, World War II, the end of the Depression. And some of them said that they wanted to be famous. They wanted, when they started this study, it was, um, it was called, I, I wrote it down, the Harvard Study of Adult Development. And at the end of their life, there's 2,000 children. One of them was a president. At the end of their life, none of them talked about their money. None of them talked about being president. The only thing they said is what kept us happy and what kept us healthy were our friendships and relationships. That was the only thing they cared about at the end of their life. So connection to others is important. And here's the thing is that God has an answer for the fear that you feel of maybe rejection or abandonment. Absolutely. If you're not going to be codependent and so you'll be in your tent and I'll be in mine, we have margin, we have space, we have boundaries. And we're not going to be independent saying, I don't need anybody. I'm just going to be a self-made person. I'll do whatever I want to do and I'll actualize my own life. If neither of those are going to work, then the God-given intention we have is called interdependent. You are doing you and you're centered around God. I'm doing me. I'm centered around God. But we gather together in front of the fire daily. You can't do this life alone. 2020 proved that pretty well, didn't it? And you can't do this life codependent, but you can be interdependent with the grace of God. The, the next one that we're going into is number two, connection to yourself. Yes. Connection to yourself. This is the second part. Now, this is the great thing is that when you learn how to be connected to yourself truly, it is a lot easier for you not to see people as a threat, for you not to put... Um, really, really high expectations on maybe, you know, sometimes that is a stress within a spouse because the spouse has to meet all of your needs. When in reality, God, it said, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. He didn't say, I mean, obviously you need to be with your spouse, but the gathering of the saints is so important, which means there should be a tribe of people that you're able to connect with and talk and, 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 be, in, and be known and know them and a deeper connection. So, um, what, what is the assumption of... The assumption when it comes to connection to yourself 
the assumption is this. If I'm by myself, then I'm with myself. Now, you don't verbally say that, but we think that being alone means that we are with ourselves and connected to ourselves. But there's a computer in everyone's hand or pocket right now. Right that now. That sure. Some of you guys are not even paying attention. You're on that You're literally right being not with yourself right now. No. <laughs> Silicon Valley is not programming apps. They are programming people. They're paying brilliant, brilliant people. To so, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I interrupted no, Arvin, but I love him. Relationship. In 2019, a developer left Google and he said, this is, and, and he's a developer and it's, it's online. He says, in 2019, in your feed, whether it is, think of any social media platform that you are on, they will show you things that you love and they will show you things that enrage you because their goal is not likes, it's not comments, it's not followers. Their goal is engagement. If you stay engaged, you yeah. are now programmed by Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is where they build all the apps and the smartphones yeah, and stuff. So the longer you stay engaged, and so if you, if you notice this, you go to a restaurant and your friends aren't there yet, what do you do? Because God forbid you be alone looking like a psycho. <laughs> Not on your phone. The phone, imagine going without your phone yeah. for a week. Some people would have a panic attack. Yeah. But remember that scripture we read in the very beginning? Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness. To the wilderness. And why did he do that? There are some times where you have to shut out the distractions. And instead of being alone, because people are so afraid, especially kids, they'll go, I get bored. I believe boredom is actually a learned skill. Yes. In today. Yeah. Boredom is where creativity comes from because you're really only bored for eight minutes and then your God-given brain that is supernatural begins to think of something. Yeah. So I want to challenge you guys. This is just a side note. Be bored this week yeah. and watch what God speaks to you. Yeah. And it is scary to actually put your phone in the other room to not distract yourself because the thing that wants to block you from connecting to yourself is scrolling, it's vices, mm. drinking, porn, drugs. It's, it's that stuff. Because instead of feeling, I, I would just rather escape. Yeah. And when you escape, you become numb. Mm. And then you're walking around like a zombie and you're like, I don't understand why I don't feel anything. Right. It's because you've suppressed everything for so long. Yeah. Does that make sense? But let's look to what Jesus does yeah. in the Bible. Absolutely. Luke chapter four, this is how God eradicates that whole process. Luke 4, verse 1 and 2, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was for 40 days tempted by the devil. And so we got this pic of Jesus being yeah. tempted by the devil. Um, there it is. Yeah. yeah, very evil. Did you draw um, that? I did. That's pretty right good. Right before this uh, service, I drew it. <laughs> um, anyway, but if you think about it, this was when Jesus was the most human. He was fully God and fully man. So you think about it, Jesus, full with the Holy Spirit. Where did the Holy Spirit lead him? The wilderness. Wait, where did the Holy Spirit lead him? The wilderness. And some of us want the Holy Spirit to lead us to riches and fame. Mm. <laughs> but what if the Holy Spirit led you into the wilderness? Yeah. Is that still the Holy Spirit? Yes. Because the Holy Spirit, because his purpose was greater than just comfort. 
And so there was something being birthed in Jesus. It said he grew in stature and obedience. There was a reason why he did not step into ministry until a certain age. Yeah. Why was that? We don't know. But I, I do know that after this, miracles, supernatural things started happening. Why? Because he actually learned by himself yeah. to shut down the devil yeah. by the word of God. Isn't that exciting? is that we have that same artillery. We do. Yeah. Like, and so he went away, and then, and then we fast forward to these next few verses. What's yeah. the next verse? Verse 14 says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. And so basically what we say is, you know, don't expect to have power in public if you've not wrestled with the devil in private. Don't expect to have power in public if you've not wrestled with the devil in private. If you've not been there and you have been present and you've said, I see you, devil, and thus saith the Lord, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. It is in those moments where that is built. And you know why? This is what I believe Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness. And if you watch in the Bible, Jesus would withdraw to the wilderness after big miracles. Yeah. To remind himself this is who I am. Right. This is why I came. Jesus came to save humanity, to die for their sins. So everyone is hooping and hollering, and it's great. The blind eyes open, signs, wonders, miracles, all of that is incredible. Yeah. But my bro had to stay focused. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so sometimes you have to withdraw to the wilderness whenever, and, and it was crazy. He withdrew to the wilderness after really, really great things. Yeah. Some of us, if something great happens, we kind of want to sit there. He had to come back. He would often withdraw to the wilderness. So, you know, uh, basically, as Jesus was sitting there, you know, we heard about the assumption. What is the intention of connection to yourself? The intention when it comes to being connected to yourself is that you would actually be willing to feel your feelings. Now, most of the time... We have That's a weird thing to say in a church. Right, exactly. And it won't be in the future because if we're going to survive and make an impact worldwide, we're going to have to be able to do this well. So you're going to have to learn how to feel your feelings. I didn't say obey your feelings. For sure, because feelings are not facts. Some of the most profound things the Holy Spirit will reveal to you will happen when you take the feelings you feel, no matter how ungodly and terrible they may be, you present them to him and go, what do I do with this? And he'll show you things in scripture you've never seen before. Let me say this. When Jesus goes out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, the thing God wanted to see happen there was that he would distinguish between Jesus' identity as his beloved son and his God-given work to heal people and restore the lost. See, if the devil can't get you to stop doing things for God, he'll get you so busy doing things for God that you forget who you are. And when you are at the end of yourself, you'll mistakenly think you're at the end of God because you made a God out of yourself. Because you wanted to preach so bad and you wanted to reach people so bad. So what happens when the enemy comes is he goes, if you are the son of God, validate your identity by your performance and your work. The devil wanted him to perform. Prove to me that you're the son of God. God had just said when Jesus was baptized... This is my beloved son. The devil left the beloved part out. <laughs> this is my beloved son whom I love. In him I'm well pleased. He was well pleased with Jesus before Jesus did anything. 
That's amazing. Not a single thing had happened. And God said, I'm well pleased with him. If the Holy Spirit is not distinguishing between your God-given identity and your God-given work, you're going to be terrible at both of them. You're not going to be connected to yourself. So when it comes time to having relationships with others, you're either going to be codependent or way too independent. You'll fluctuate back and forth, and you'll find yourself refusing to feel your feelings because, well, I'm just as valuable as the last thing I did for God. What a great way to resent God for the rest of your life. I have friends I grew up with in Christian school. I can count on one hand how many of them still serve the Lord. It wasn't because our leaders were bad. We loved them dearly. The issue was we fell for the trick that if we went on enough mission trips, preached enough sermons, wrote enough worship songs, performed enough good acts, that that would make the devil leave us alone. We fell right into his trap. What we've had to understand now is when you experience the beloved passion of God for who your identity is apart from anything you can do from him, you'll be able to accomplish more than you could do if you were to focus all your attention on what you were going to do for him. Because you're empowered by God's grace Come on. to do things that you actually don't even deserve despite the fact that you've worked so hard for it. This was opened up for me when years ago, I'm trying my best to preach, I'm trying my best to serve my parents and their church faithfully, and finally the Holy Spirit got my attention and said, listen, I am not trying to give you the life that you can earn for yourself if you love me. You could be perfect for 120 years. You still wouldn't earn the kind of goodness and love I want to have for you. I'm not trying to give you the life you can earn. I'm trying to live my life through you. So what we're going to see happen is not what we deserve. It's what Jesus deserves. His perfect obedience in good times and in bad times is what enables us to encounter the thing he has for us, and we'll see things happen, and then we'll be reminded of them time and time again, and it'll be a shock to you how much you get done when you stop trying to get everything done. By the power and grace of God. Come on. We're going to call the band up, and this is our final point. The final point is, number three, is that it makes you revisit and reevaluate your connection to God. Connection to God. What is the assumption? The assumption is God doesn't want to be connected to me. If he knew what was really going on, and he does, so surely he doesn't want to. If he knew what I did on the weekends, if he knew my Google search history, what blocks our connection from God? Shame and secrecy. That's what blocks our connection from God. And we actually see it and, and, and again, the campsite is centered around what? The fire. The fire is hot, but it purifies. Yeah. Whenever, whenever all else seems shaken. You know, we read in Genesis 3.11. Genesis 3.11, it was right after Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they ate. And this is what it says. The Lord God called to man. He called. He said, where are you? He was walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And God right now is calling out to midweek. Where are you? God is searching for you. And then Adam answered. He said, I heard you in the garden. And this is what he said. I was afraid because I was naked. The, another word for naked is exposed. I was afraid because I was exposed. And so I... From day one, that is in all of us. We feel exposed, 
so we hide. And God is saying, where are you? I want to walk with you. I don't care what you've done. Yes, there's consequences to our sin. Yes, we need to repent of our sin. But it's God's love. Shame robs us of authenticity. Shame robs us of authenticity to our God. You know, I think this last picture, this is my favorite one. This last picture, it's Jesus at the fire. And we know this story. We've heard this. The last time Peter connected eyes with Jesus is whenever he said, I don't know the man. And Jesus knew all, he's like, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, on my life, I won't. And then he denies him. And then Peter connects with him. Some of you guys have seen an Easter production where you see their eyes connect and then the rooster crows. Peter and Judas both dealt with shame. Both handled it differently. Sometimes when we feel shame, we run because guilt is I did something wrong. Shame is I am wrong. That's the difference between guilt and shame. You can feel guilty and convicted. There's a holy conviction. Shame is a lie from the devil. It is. And that's what God wants to break off. And so Jesus is sitting there by the fire. And right when Peter realizes it's him, after they pull the load in, he basically, and he was fishing naked. I don't know why. That's just a Bible thing. Very odd. But um, it's in the Bible. (laughs) It just kind of caught me off guard when I read it. I was like, ugh. And he put on his robe. He he swims in. He swims into the shore. As he swims in the shore, he's sitting there. And Peter knows it's the elephant in the room. He's like, he was was bleeding and he was dying on the Via Della Rosa. He was there getting whipped. And he heard me. We, we made eye contact after I denied him. And I'm sitting here. Peter still ran to him. So Peter's sitting there and Jesus says, do you love me? And he's like, yes, yes, I, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Okay, do you love me? Peter's like, man, why do you gotta do this? You're making me feel bad. You're just rubbing it in my face. Yes, I love you. Then feed my sheep. The last time, Peter, do you love me? And it says in scripture that Peter got really sad because that was the shame speaking. He said, man, yes, you are the living word of God. You're the Messiah. And because he had that revelation on the inside, it enabled him to run to him instead of running away from him. And he said, feed my sheep. And I believe, if you, look, if you look in the scripture and you study the disciples, Peter was the only disciple that experienced shame that was still alive. So when he said, feed my sheep, he said, Peter, I want you to go and feed all the sheep who are dealing with the same shame that you are. That I'm here with breakfast. That I'm here with a fire. And yes, the truth hurts, but it's not meant to harm. It's meant to heal. It's meant to bring freedom. Tonight, I want us all to bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're in here tonight, and as you are looking through all of those things, that the intention 
of connection with God is to be vulnerable. And that is where victory is. Victory is in the vulnerability. So if you're in here tonight and you say, you know what? As I am thinking to myself, I feel as if, I feel like I have a fear of being with connection with others. I have a fear of being rejected or abandoned. If that's you in this room, raise your hand and be honest. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're in this room and you say, I can't stand to be by myself, I have to be doing something. I have to be distracting myself. If that's you in this room, raise your hand. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're in here and you say, it has been so difficult for me really just to be in the presence of God because I have felt that I am wrong. If that's you in this room, raise your hand. If you've been hiding things, yes, thank you. What I want us to do is I want us all to stand up right now. And what we're gonna do is that if you raised your hand or you should have raised your hand right now, we're gonna begin, I'm gonna ask the worship band to come out. We're gonna begin singing this song. We're just gonna take a few minutes. We're gonna take the next three minutes and I wanna give you, I want you to give Jesus, the next three minutes of your time of your life, they're going to begin singing a worship song. And if you raise your hand or should have raised your hand, I want you to come down front and we're going to pray. And if you're, if you're there in your seats and there is something that the Holy Spirit spoke to you right now, what it is, is it's putting Jesus in the center of your campsite, being in the center of everything. All of us are, are in this moment of where we're trying to work and figure things out, but there is a redeeming grace. There is a savior and that is Jesus, but it does take vulnerability. It takes putting away that pride. So if that's you, if that's you, raise your hand, come on down, come on down. That's it. Let's clap it up. Let's clap it up for all those people who are making that decision. If you're wanting to surrender something, if you're saying, you know what? I have Jesus in my heart, but there's something that I need to put at the altar. There's something that I need to surrender. If that's you, come on down. That's it. That's it. And we're going to take these next few moments to begin to worship. And if you are prayer partners, I want you to come down. Make sure that these people feel as if they are connected, as if there is people behind them, praying for them, believing with them, because this is who we are. Let's begin to worship.
That's it. Let's just sing it. I want you to speak it over your heart, your mind, your thoughts, your soul. Whether you've experienced loss or whether you've experienced people leaving you or, or maybe you leaving someone and you feeling shame from it. We're putting all of our focus not on those things, but on Jesus. Jesus Those of you who are here tonight, whether it's your first time or you're watching online or you're in this room, the overwhelming love of God is for you. You do nothing and there's nothing you can do where God's love does not consume you. It is allowing God's love to consume you, to truly know at your core being, I am loved by God. Because when you sit in that, it's that constant washing and remembering that God is the only consistent thing in our life. And yeah, people come and go in our life and we're going to grow in our community and we're not gonna require everyone to be a lifelong friend. But I do believe that there are God-sent friends for every single person in this room. And I believe that if you are searching for one, I'm gonna stand in agreement with you because it is incredible what a friend who you can open up with and share your struggles, it is incredible what it does to your life. Every person in this room, I want you to live long and I want you to live filled with the joy of the Lord. And I believe that God uses people, divine appointments to be put into your life, to strengthen you, to call you out when you need to be called out. I know I need it. And to love you whenever you don't, when you feel like, like garbage, like trash. So what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna pray and then I know that it's, it's very somber right now and it's very beautiful. The worship team is gonna continue to worship, but we have the after party in the park. And th this, is, this is a great moment for you to put into practice the things that you feel nervous about. Put yourself out there. Hi, this is my name. I go to Victory, what's your name? Are you in a connect group? all of those things. You get to actually do it tonight and then June 10th we have our Connect Group weekend. But let's pray right now and I want us all to say this prayer together as a community, as a family here at Victory. Say thank you Jesus 
for cleansing my heart. You are my Lord. I submit my feelings to you. I submit my thoughts to you. Put your head on your, uh, put your, uh, your hands on your head. I have the mind of Christ. I put on the helmet of salvation. No devil lie can live in my brain. My thoughts are on pure, just, holy, loving things from your word. And then put your hands on your heart. God, heal my heart from generational hurt, from loss. You feel that void. Make your love known to me. In the name of Jesus, I surrender to you.